Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Pastor David with We Are Church. I want to thank you for taking the time to tune into this podcast. Here at We Are Church, our mission is to be a place where people come to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. One of the ways that we do that is through the reading and teaching of the Word of God. So I pray that this challenges you to take your faith to the next level and that you find freedom in every area that you are seeking. Enjoy the message. Man, are y'all ready for the Word? <laughs> praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Um, if you haven't been with us, three weeks ago, we started a brand new series titled Beyond. We asked God, began to seek. I began to seek the Lord in 2021 and ask him for a word for the year of 2022 that would literally shape, the, shape and define us as a church. And the Lord simply spoke to me the one word. He spoke the word beyond to me. So as I began to seek the Lord on, 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 on what he meant by beyond immediately, I had three other things that God spoke to me, beyond limits, beyond measure, and beyond self. And so we preached through the beyond limits part of, of the series uh, for three weeks in a row. And we talked about the first sermon that I preached was, was titled, Get Out of Your Way. Get Out of Your Way. We talked about how the biggest limitation you will ever face in life is self. You remove everything else in your life that you think is holding you back and you still have to deal with self. And the Lord gave us a scripture, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. It says, um, all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ever ask or think. Paul is saying, all glory to God who is able to accomplish infinitely more through his power at work within us, infinitely more than we might ever ask or think. And so the Lord told me, if you, to, 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 to picture my, my greatest dream and the greatest vision I could have for us as a church in 2022. And the Lord said, you still place limits on me. And so we talked about moving beyond limits, that it isn't about how far, if, how far God is willing to take you. The question is, how far are you willing to go with God? And if we're going to look in our lives right now in 2022, we got to look at the limits that we've placed on God. We got to look at the limits that we've placed on ourselves and, and, and look at how, 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 what, what limits we were placed, we've placed on where we're willing to go with God. Because if you'll partner with God in the work that he is doing within you, you will look back on your life in 2023 and say, I, I can't believe how far God brought me in a year. If you'll partner with God and look at what God is trying to do in your life right now and not resist the change, but embrace the change, the work that God is doing inside you, two, two years, three years, five years, 10 years from now, you'll look back and say, man, I, I cannot believe how far I have come in my walk with God. The second sermon that I preached was titled The Limitless Church. The Limitless Church. We talked about how the Limitless Church was never, nobody ever looked at the, 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 the early church and called it limited. Nobody ever looked at the early church and said that it was weak or that it was frail or that it was powerless. But when they looked at the early church, they saw something that was powerful. They seen boldness. They seen courage. They seen, they seen a church that couldn't be hindered. They seen love like they never seen before. They seen a family like they never seen before. They seen people from different ethnicities and different backgrounds come together and somehow form a community when they were once enemies before. They seen people that were willing to be hung on crosses, upside down, thrown in prison, stoned and thrown into lion's dens. They seen, they seen a people that, 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 that looked different than anything they had ever seen before. But they were a limitless church because, they, because of two things. Number one, they knew why they existed. We talked about they existed for two reasons, to build up the body of Christ and to storm the gates of hell. 
That's why we exist, church. That's why we, our church, exists here in Nashville, Tennessee. We exist to build up the body of Christ and to storm the gates of hell. That's it. That's the only reason that we exist right here in this city. We don't exist so that we can come and sit in these seats and then walk out of this church and never do nothing with our lives. If we're here today, if we, if we believe in Jesus Christ, if he has done something in your life, if he has changed you, if he has transformed you, it's so that you could build up the body of Christ and storm the gates of hell. That's why we breathe. That's why we still have breath in our lungs today. Because he's still got a purpose for every single one of us in this room. Last week, I preached a message titled, Stay in Your Lane. The writer of Hebrews tells us to run the race with endurance that God has marked out before us. We cannot run in our lane if we're focused on the lane next to us. We're talking about moving beyond limits and going further than we ever could have imagined in our lives. If we will, if we will take our eyes off of everybody else and, and place our eyes on ourselves and examine ourselves and say, how can I do better in my life and in my walk? How can I run the race that is placed before me? And if you will focus all of your attention on running the race that God has placed before you, you'll go further than you ever could have, could have imagined. But you got to stay in your lane. Because if we are so focused on the people next to us, if I'm so focused on what the pastor down the street is preaching, if I'm so focused on what everybody else is doing, I can't run the lane God has placed in front of me because my attention and my focus is divided. We got to say 2022 is going to be a year when I focus on self, when I grow self, when I devote myself to cultivating the gifts that God has placed inside of me and growing. Amen? Amen. And so today we're going to jump into the second part of the series, which is the beyond measure, beyond measure. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says this, says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Let me read that one more time. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Father God, I thank you so much for the word that you've given me today, Lord. God, I pray that you will prepare every heart for the message that you've given me today, Lord. Give us ears to hear what you want to say to us, God. I ask to see what you want to show us. Lord, I pray that you anoint every word that comes forth from my lips, God. If you're not in this, God, it's all in vain. And so, Lord, I, I, I can preach this with everything I got, Lord, but I need you. We need you, God. We need you to speak to us individually, God, in this room tonight, Lord. And I thank you for every life that will be changed because of this message. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we start the Beyond Measure part of the series today. Say, well, David, what is this Beyond Measure? What exactly do you mean? Beyond measure, I'm going to take three weeks to really, 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 really dig deep into what we mean by that. But this world is designed to hold us to a metric system that we can never, that we can never measure up to. This world has placed limits on us. This world has restricted us. This, this world is constantly telling us what a definition of success is. And this world is, is, is attempting to, to keep us enslaved to a metric system that you and I can never, can never measure up to. Everywhere we look, we see somebody telling us what we should be. 
telling us how we should look, telling us what we should do in life. If you look on the screens, we see nothing but, 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 but the world giving us this definition of success and happiness that, that doesn't ever exist. And so we spend our whole lives on, in this, this rabbit trail chasing, chasing everything this world tells us that we need to chase only to walk away more empty and more broken and more, more enslaved than we were but before we started to seek the things that, 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 that we sought. But it's a metric system that that, that the enemy specifically uses to keep you and I enslaved and rob us of our identity and keep us trapped into this this system of continuously running and following what this world and the pattern of this world, what the pattern of this world is. And and we're just, we're empty. We're lost. We exist, but we're not really living. And Paul says this, don't be conformed to this world. In other words, he's saying, don't copy the customs and behaviors of this world. Don't follow the patterns of this world. Don't let it shape you into something that you were never meant to be. Don't let this world tell you what defines you. Don't let this world tell you what you're capable of and what you're not capable of. Don't let this world silence you. Don't copy the customs and behaviors of this world. Do not be conformed to this world. Paul uses this term when he talks about the course of the world or, or the behaviors of the world, he, 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 he mentions this a lot in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. He says this, he says, And you were dead in your offenses and sins in which you previously walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, we too all previously lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath just as the rest. So Paul tells us that we were once spiritually dead. He's talking to a church that that knows Jesus, writing to the church in Ephesus. He's talking to a people that that believe that Jesus Christ is is, is Lord and Savior. They, they, They are a community of believers. And he says, you once were dead in your trespasses, in your sins, which you previously walked according to the course of this world. So Paul says that you were spiritually dead. You might have been physically alive, but, but you are spiritually dead. Some of you are spiritually dead in here in this room. I'm believing by the end of this message, we're going we're to change that in Jesus' name. But he says that you were spiritually dead. You were basically in, in, in a spiritual coffin, and there were three locks that kept this coffin shut. He says the ways of the world, the course of the world, Satan, who is the, the, the prince of the power of the air and the lust of the flesh. And so Paul tells us that Satan uses these metric systems, the ways of the world, to keep the lock on the coffin and to keep us spiritually dead. And he says, don't copy the customs and the behaviors of the world. Don't be conformed to this world. I'm telling you, church, we got to wake up. We got to wake up. We live in a generation today where the Bible talks about the last days. They were called good, bad, and and bad, good. We're we're looking at a generation that that, that right now, the most anxious generation the world has ever seen. More people committing suicides, deaths, and drug overdoses than the world has ever seen. Historic numbers today. We want to talk about the numbers of of everything else going on and COVID and all of that. I'm telling y'all, we live in a generation today, right now, where if we don't get it right, our kids don't know what to think anymore. Because the schools are are constantly feeding them all of this garbage 
more confused than ever before. And if we don't get it right in our households, we can bring them to children's service in this church. But I'm telling you, if you are not discipling your kids, this world will disciple them. And it's the time that we wake up right now and understand, I don't know how, long, how much longer we got. I'm not saying Jesus is coming back tomorrow, but we need to live our lives as if he is. And Paul says, man, don't, don't let this world shape you. Don't be conformed to this world. He says, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed. So I was preparing this message. I said, be transformed. I reminded me of the transformers. My nephew, my nephew Davian comes up to me all the time. He's probably got about 20 transformers, right? And every time he gets a new transformer or something, he'll come up with two of them, and he just wants me to, like, go to war with these transformers with him, right? But it's kind of similar to what Paul is talking about. Because these transformers, they'll come and they, they, they look like cars or they look like trucks, right? Right? But they'll transform into something that you don't, you don't want to mess with, right? Like seriously. But that's, that's how it is for us. Paul is saying, don't be conformed to this world. Don't, 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 don't just do what this world does and walk and live at how this world does, but be transformed. You might look like the world. You might look like the person next to you, but there should be something powerful about you. And if you'll let God transform you and change you by renewing your mind, we become something that we never thought we could have ever become. He says, so that you may prove what the will of God is. Your life should be proof of what the will of God is. So that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Can I tell you, church, that when you live a life that says this world will not define me, you will not tell me what truth is. The, what, the, what the word of God says is the only truth. Let every man be a liar and the word of God be true. Right? When I say this is what shapes my life, this is what defines me, this is what I live for. I exist. I literally live my life to serve God and become who God has called me to be. I prove what the will of God is for all mankind. When I don't have to live as the world lives, but I say, I want to serve a perfect God with everything I got. People look at my life and they see the proof that God still lives today. When I run into people who 10 years ago I was robbing with, I was shooting dope with, I was selling drugs with, I was incarcerated with. When I run into them and they look at my life and they say, man, what are you doing now with your life? And they look at my life. What? You pastor a church? What? You, you, you're, you're reaching the same people that you were in gangs with? Like, when they look at my life, it's proof. The will of God is for all of us that, that all who call on the name of Jesus will be saved. And that he'll change you and transform you and use you as a testimony to change and transform other people. One of the first things God did in my life was do away with this metric system. How he does that. He does that by giving us blessings that we cannot measure. See, I can tell you today how many dollars, exactly how many dollars I have in my bank account. All I got to do is look at, a mo at, at, a, at my, my mobile banking, and I can tell you exactly how many dollars I got in my bank account. But I can't tell you how much grace has been applied to my life. I can tell you 
how many, how many cars I've had in my life or how much gas I got in my truck if I just look at this gauge. But I cannot tell you how much love I've already received from God. I can tell you this, though. When I encountered Jesus and he poured his love out on me, it was immeasurable. It was immeasurable. His grace is so much grace that it covers my past, present, and future sins. It empowers me to walk in who he's called me to, to, to be today in my life. It empowers me to overcome every obstacle that I face. There's, there's blessings of God that he wants to pour out on your life that this, this world cannot give you. And so God does away with the metric system by showing you what true riches are, by giving you something that you cannot give, that you cannot give back, by giving you something this world won't give. And so he pours it out on you because, because he wants to see you. Do away with the metric system. If you really understood, if, all you, if, if, you, if you truly grasped how much God loves you and how, how much he is actually for you in life, if you truly grasped that, you wouldn't chase the things that you chase. You wouldn't do the things that you do because you would understand this is what matters most. The world wants to keep you stuck to this metric system defining yourself by the ways of the world. God wants to show you what true riches and true life really is. So here's what I want to do today. I want to identify these metrics. We're going to identify three of them. I'm going to identify these metrics, and I want to tear them down in Jesus' name. How many of y'all want to tear down some strongholds tonight? Right? How many of you say, man, David, you know what? There's some things. I really need God to break some things off of me tonight. Amen. That's it. Like three of y'all. Y'all better raise y'all hand. They're going to strike y'all down the line. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Well, let's do this. Three metrics that the enemy uses to keep us bound. Number one is fake love. Fake love. Don't be laughing, Nicole. <laughs> oh, we know Daniel need, boy, you, you need some extra work, boy. <laughs> fake love. Genesis chapter three. This is probably one of my favorite, favorite, favorite. I know it's the follow man. But there's so much in this, this text right here. It's just so rich. Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 5 says this. Now the serpent was more cunning than any animal of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God really said you shall not eat from any of the tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, from the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat, but from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said you shall not eat from it. Or touch it, or you will die. The serpent said to the woman, you will certainly not die, for God knows that on the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will become like God, knowing both good and evil. The tactics of the enemy have not changed today. What he did in the garden, he still does today. But here's what the enemy does. He woos you, and then he wounds you. He woos you, and then he wounds you. In the form of fake love, the enemy comes to Eve in the garden with fake concern and says, did God really say that you can't eat of the trees in the garden? Did he really say that? He said, no, God said we can eat of every tree but the tree in the middle of the garden, and if I eat of that tree, then we'll surely die. Fake love, fake concern. No, you won't. You won't die. You'll become like God, knowing both good and evil. 
this fake love and this fake concern that somehow God has left something out in your life, that somehow God is withholding something good from you, that somehow, somehow God hasn't given you every blessing under heaven, that, that somehow he's more concerned about her life than God is about her all of a sudden. This fake void that he's placing in her life that needs to be filled by something that actually never needed to be filled by something because she was full of God himself, made in the image of God. But this fake love and this fake concern, first thing he does is distort the word of God. Did God really say that you can't eat of any tree in the garden? He knew exactly what word God gave her. He knew that God said she could have everything that was in the garden except one tree, but he just wanted to show her and, and, and place a void in her life with this fake love and this fake concern. And he says, you'll become like God, knowing both good and evil. She was the very image of God. She was as like God as anybody could have ever been. But that's what he does, though, church. He woos you into thinking there's something better than what you already have. Woos you into thinking that you're, you're somehow you're, you're missing something in your life when you already got exactly, you got everything that you need right now. Woos you into thinking that somehow God is withholding something from you and, and somehow God has left you out and God doesn't want to give you everything good. But and, and he woos you and then he what? He wounds you. So Eve falls into this deception and eats of the fruit, gives it to Adam, and we know what happens. Sin shatters the cosmos. Guilt, shame, death, decay. That won't really hurt you. Just a little bit. It won't, it, it's not going to hurt you. It's not going to destroy your life. It's not going to grab you. It's not going to destroy your marriage. It's not going to destroy your ministry. It's just a little bit. This is what the enemy does. He woos us into thinking that somehow there's something better than what God has for us and it wounds us. And so we have Adam and Eve in the garden, hiding from God. First people to ever feel what guilt and shame is. Can you imagine that? Being in perfect joy, in perfect relationship with God, never experiencing one bad feeling or emotion in, 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 in their whole entire being. And all of a sudden they eat of this fruit in, 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 in guilt and shame and separation from God. And all of this just comes rushing into Adam and Eve. They immediately hide. Immediately hide from God. But fake love is deceiving. And it's only recognized when placed next to real love. I was lacking love in, in, in my home as a kid, so I went to the streets to try to find love that I didn't have in, in my home life. And I received lots of fake love of what people told me love was. But it's just like a counterfeit $100 bill. If you were to take a counterfeit $100 bill to a country that's never seen American money and you were just an American person out there, you would automatically assume that this, this $100 bill is real. But it, you'd only recognize if it was real or not if you placed it next to, to a real $100 bill. So we're incapable of even knowing what true love is until, we, until we've experienced what true love is. So when I gave my life to Jesus, I started to recognize what fake love was and what real, love, real love was. 
Fake love is selfish and self-serving. Fake love is selfish and self-serving. A lot of us need to get rid of fake love this year in 2022. When we start living in, in a way that says my life is not my own. My love is not my own, right? We love not because we want to be self-serving, but we love because God loved us. Fake love is death wrapped in counterfeit concern. Did God really say that? Real love. Real love is never hidden. There's no hidden motives. There's no hidden agendas. Real love exposes itself time and time again. There's nothing that God ever would ever withhold from you. We need to understand that church in 2022, there's nothing that God would ever withhold from you or from me. If it's a blessing that God has, he's already given it to us. If it's his love, if it's his grace, if it's his mercy, if it's his anointing, if, if you believe in Jesus Christ and you have accepted his son as your savior and as your Lord, then, then there's nothing, that God, nothing good that God would withhold from you or from me. And God leaves his love out there time and time again. Knowing that most of us would reject his love, knowing that most of us don't want nothing to do with his love, but his love is selfless. He pours himself out again and again and again in hopes that you and me would one day grab that love and accept that love and let it change us and refine us and and, and mold us and shape us and compel us to do what God has called us to do and become who God has called us to be. The enemy gives us these definitions of fake love, stuck to this metric system of fake love, and it just leaves us empty and it leaves us wounded and it leaves us wanting more. And so what do we do? We, he, he woos us and then he wounds us and then what do we We repeat the cycle. He woos us again and he wounds us again and he woos us again and he wounds us again. This is why some of us have been through so many relationships because we were wounded as a child and we have spent our whole entire lives trying to find that validation and find our worth in men, in, in women, in drugs, in alcohol, and we have spent our whole entire lives being wounded and wounded and wooed and wounded over and over and over again. It's fake love. But real love looks like God and all of his, his, his infinite wisdom and, and glory and power and his love and his mercy reaching down into the depths of himself and forming what he called man and woman to be made in his very own image. Love is, is God creating this whole entire world so that we would have a place to dwell and walk among this earth with him and have everything that we need to sustain us in perfect life and in perfect relationship with him. Love is God walking through the garden after the fall of man and saying, where are you, Adam? Because Adam was hiding from him. Love is God going to them and even in, in, in his mercy when he could have destroyed them from diso, diso, for, for being disobedient in the first place. Saying, who, who told you that you were naked? Who told you you would never break free from that? Who told you that you were what this world says you are? Who told you that you have to live your life that way? Who told you you have to please people? Who told you that you would never be loved? Who told you that you'd be a drug addict for the rest of your life? Who told you that you'd be an alcoholic? Who told you that you'd never be, be able to become the father or the mother or the husband or the wife that you need to be? Who told you that God doesn't want to use you in your life? 
Love is God covering their sin immediately afterwards and setting forth a redemptive plan so that you and I could be restored back to perfect relationship with him to rid rid us of all guilt and all shame and separation from God. Love is Jesus coming down here, abandoning his throne and being wrapped in flesh and walking this earth among you and I and being hung on a cross for the forgiveness of your sins and my sins. Love is what sent him down here and love is what kept him on that cross because he saw you and he saw me and he knew without it we would never, ever be able to come into a relationship or ever be freed from the things that have held us bound. Fake love. Second metric is false security. False security. So in a wounded world full of uncertainty, we all turn to different things for security. We all do it. We all have different things that we run to. We all have certain things that make us feel stable and that we run to. But what is that for you? If we were honest today, what is it that makes us feel safe, that makes us feel secure, that we're running to, that we're, that, that we're using to establish something? Last Tuesday, this past Tuesday, was at a conference in, um, in uh, Alabama. So Daniel got to preach for me on Tuesday. How many of y'all were here Tuesday during he preached? Yeah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. <laughs> so I went back and, I, and I, listened, I listened to the message and he preached a, a, a message titled Fractured Faith. This message titled Fractured Faith, talking about what, what keeps our faith fractured, what keeps us broken in our faith, right? And he said this, he said, when, when, when you're fractured thinking leads to fractured worship which leads to a fractured lifestyle, right? Fractured thinking leads to fractured worship, which leads to a fractured lifestyle. In other words, when, when your faith or your walk with God is, is broke or when your thinking is, is broke, right? If you don't heal from it, it'll fracture your worship. And he talked about how, how when, our, when our worship is broken and when our worship is fractured, we, 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 we cling to idols. We take on these idols, right? And then that will affect our lifestyle and we'll begin to live a lifestyle of idol worship that keeps us fractured and keeps us broken in, in, in our lives, right? And so I started thinking about that. And I was like, man, that's, that's it. Like as I'm preparing this message about how the enemy woos us and he wounds us and he keeps us stuck to this metric system and we're on this constant repetitive cycle of, of, of being wooed and being wounded and being wooed and being wounded because we won't let go of the metric system that keeps, keeps us enslaved and embrace the freedom that God wants to give us and allow him to renew our minds. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. We got we to gotta heal our thinking and we got to let our, our minds be renewed so that we stop going to these things that that, that that become idols in our lives. Idol worship doesn't mean that we got images and, and images of, of, of other gods sitting up in our rooms. That's not idol worship. I mean, it is idol worship, but <laughs> that's not the idol worship I'm talking about. <laughs> I, yeah, if you got that, you need to repent right now. Go home and break something. <laughs> But idol worship is what you put your weight on. That's worship. 
What do I put my weight on? What do I believe in? What sustains me? What do I run to when times get hard? Because what you place your security in, what you say, this is what makes me secure, is what you worship. There's a story in Matthew about a man wants to inherit, a rich man wants to inherit the kingdom of God. So he approaches Jesus and he says, Lord, what must I do to inherit the kingdom of God? Names off a whole list. Thou shalt not murder. It goes through all the thou shalt, thou shalt not commit adultery. Through all of these, these different lists. Checks off all these lists. He said, man, well, I'm good because I do all of that, right? He's like, I do, I do everything that you just mentioned. And Jesus said, okay, good. Now go and sell all of your possessions. Give the money to the poor and then come and follow me. Now he's looking at the Savior of the world. At this time, he's heard about and seen what Jesus can do. And he's looking at him and he's saying, this man has, has the, the, the answer to how I inherit the kingdom of God. And Jesus said, go and sell everything that you have and give it to the poor. This man walks away devastated. Because he cannot let go of his money. He couldn't let go of his money. Why? Because he didn't just have money. His money had him. His money had him. His desire was with the kingdom. Lord, what must I do to inherit the kingdom of God? But his heart was with his money. You see what I'm saying? His desire was to, to inherit the kingdom of God and to follow God, but his heart was with something else. Can I tell you, church, that in 2022, we got to look at the things that have us. We got to look at the things that, that, that have our hearts and have, have a grip on, on our hearts. How do we know if we have idols of false security? If Jesus asks you for it, can you give it up? There's nothing wrong with making money, church. I hope you make a lot of it. Nothing wrong with money. Money isn't evil. The love of money is. There's nothing wrong with, 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 with growing your bank account and getting financially stable, Right? But you want to know if it, if it has you or if God has it? If Jesus were to tell you to empty out your bank account today, could you do it? Let's get honest, right? You would need the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Thank God you got Lord, move her. I'm just playing. <laughs> no, but seriously, if the Lord tells you to give it up today, could you give it up? Because if you couldn't give it up, then it's got you. You don't got it. If he asked you today to step out in faith and to place the ministry that he has on your life before anything else and to trust him with, with, with your finances, could you do it, church? Because if, that, if you can't answer that question, and it's okay because I've been there where I could not do it all the way up until December. So I'm only like one month into faith in this area. <laughs> I'm just keeping it real, Right? But the closer that I grow to Jesus, the more, more I realize that I still got idols in my life that need to be torn down. But we got to look, if we're talking about going beyond in our lives in 2022, we got to be honest with ourselves and say, what is this thing that I'm not willing to let go of? 
For some of you, that's relationships that you know, I should not be in this relationship because they don't look like where God is calling me. Right? For some of us, we got we to gotta look at our lives and say, man, this, this, these are some things I need to let go in 2020. But if we're not honest with ourselves, I'm telling you, church, we got to get rid of these things that, we, that we're clinging to. If, if COVID has showed us anything, it should have shown us that, that we don't have as much control as we thought we did. That we're not as stable as we think we are because in one, in, in one second, it, it could all be wiped away. In one second, all of these temporary things one day will not matter. Church, And I'm telling y'all, man, we got to start placing what matters first in our lives, man. I'm telling you, man, as, 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 as men and women of God, we got to start looking at our children. And we got to start telling them who they are. We got to start spending time molding them because this world is going to tell them what they are and who they are, church. If we don't start now, we don't start in our own households and we, start, we don't start saying, man, these things don't matter to me. What matters to me is becoming who God has called me to be. We're going to get one, one day it's going to life is going to smack us. And we're not going to know what to do because we have clung to everything that doesn't matter. Anything that we place in front of a surrendered life to Jesus is an idol. Like I said, last 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 in, in, in December, November, the Lord told me. Put your business down. Lost a $120,000 contract that I would have made $60,000 profit in probably about six to eight weeks. And that was what I said is going to fund my ministry for 2022. False security. The Lord Ben told me, told me last year to put it down, but all these good jobs just kept coming. I'm like, Lord, we need the money. It ain't in the ministry account, so I got to get it somewhere, right? This lack of faith in God and this lack of trust. This false security and having to get something in because I'm a provider as, as a husband of the house. I got to get it. I got to make sure that we have what we need. And so the provider in me wants to, wants to just go, 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 go with everything I got inside of me. And so I lost this $120,000 job. And the Lord told me, my hand ain't on that no more. You're going to lose a lot of them. It's time that you're obedient to what I'm saying. Put the job down. Don't pick it. And man, as soon as I said, I got so many calls from so many people, like so many jobs that I would have made a killing off of. And I'm like, boy, Lord, it's hard. Lord, just, just show me you're there, Lord. Show me you're with me, you know. <laughs> Open the floodgates so it'll be easier to say yes, you know. Went through all the month of December stressed, not knowing how I'm even going to have a payroll check in January. Wrote myself a check and it left us with $1,200 in the account. Am I lying, Daniel? $1,200 left in the account. I'm like, Lord, we can't grow a ministry on that. But in faith, I'm trusting God to provide for the next one. And did you know that in the month of January, everybody was so faithful and gave more in January than any month we've seen since the entirety of the church? Listen, y'all, God is so good. I go to a conference in Alabama and some random dude comes up to me with a $500 check for the church and $100 for my personal life. And the Lord is saying, y'all got you, not just in Nashville, Tennessee, but wherever you go, people are going to look at you. 
And he said, man, we've been watching you. He said, we've been watching you worship. Ronnie was with me. He, he said, we've been watching you worship. And he said, man, we just, the Lord, like, just told us, man, so into you. I said, man, just so into you. Specifically told us to write you a $500 check. And here's $100 for yourself. He wrote the check out to We Are Church. And he handed me a $100 bill. But we got we to gotta remove the idol. See, working was an idol to me. This is work too, but I'm saying working and not trusting God, that's, that's false security. That's an idol. Yours may not be that. It may not be working. It may not be money. But what is it for you today? What makes you feel safe? What are you running to? What are you, what, 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 what's, what, what are you putting your weight on, church? If it's not God, so can I tell you, wherever God is calling you, to go with him is going to require faith. Because if you can see it with your physical eyes, then it's not God. And if you can accomplish it with your own, in, in your own strength, in your own finances, then it's not God. But it requires faith and trust, and we got to remove those idols. Um, number three, third and final point, is self-worth. Self-worth. What do I mean by self-worth? When you seek to find your worth within yourself. When you look within yourself to say, to, 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 to find your identity. You're looking within yourself and within your own desires to, to find out who you are and to find your worth. That's a metric system that the enemy wants to keep you stuck in. In the identity series, we talked about how the enemy comes to steal your identity through words and wounds. I don't know if y'all remember that. The enemy comes to steal your identity through, through words and wounds. And so he uses words to wound us, but he also inflicts other wounds on us. So some of us have been told by people in life that we would never be anything great, that nobody would ever love us, that we were a mistake. And then some of us have been wounded Physically, we've been verbally abused. We've been physically abused. Some of you have been sexually abused, and that's an attack from the enemy where he wants to come in and cause a, a place of trauma and rob you of, of your identity. A lack of identity leads to a search for identity, right? Talked about how a lack of identity leads to a search for identity. So when we don't know who we are because the enemy's wounded us, and, 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 and we, we don't know who we are, so we're out searching, trying to figure out subconsciously. You don't know it. It's not like you're actually saying, who, I, who am I as you're doing the things that you're doing, but you're, you're subconsciously on a search to try to figure out who you are. And if you don't find out who you are in Christ, then this world will tell you who you are. Talking about there's three ways that we, 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 we typically tend to search for identity. We're hardwired to search for identity these ways. Number one is within the desires of our heart. Look within to try to figure out what is it that I want to do? What is it that I desire? Maybe that's what I'm supposed to do, right? Or to look around, we look at what the world is doing or look at what the people around us are doing because we don't know what to do. So we're looking and saying, what should I do? So we look around and then to look up some form of a God or, or, or spirituality. There's nothing wrong with looking to these places for your identity. We're hardwired to look in these places, but if we don't get these right and in the right order, 
everything is messed up. See, Western culture tells you to look within first and foremost. Look within yourself and find who you're supposed to be. What is it that your heart wants to do do that? That's what Western culture does us. But it leaves us more empty and hollow. Do you, you want to travel? Then travel the world. And somehow when you're traveling across the world, you're going to just figure out who you are, right? If you want it, then get it. Then feed the flesh. Do what your heart wants to do. This is what the world tells us. Be who you want to be. Identify as what you want to identify as. Do what you want to do. Look within yourself. That's, that's what Western culture tells you. Then it's to look around. So we look at culture around us and what the world is doing, and I let that shape me and mold me. So whatever I see them do on the TV, that's what I'm doing. What I listen to shapes what I'm doing. This is how the Western culture is. And then it tells you to look up, serve a God that doesn't challenge the desires of your heart. So what do we do? We look within ourselves. What does my heart want to do today? And we, we, we do that. And then we find a community of people that match what it is that we want to do with, with, with our hearts. And then we find a God that doesn't challenge what we do. And we serve that God or with this idea of, of a God that doesn't challenge what we want to do. This is why, listen, listen, y'all, we, we have congregations outside of church. Y'all know that, right? They match what you, the desires of your heart. Right? Drug addicts hang out with other drug addicts because they desire to do drugs. And so they congregate together and do drugs. And then they serve a God that doesn't challenge what they do. And, and, and so they walk around like it's, it's the same thing. Church, religious and stale old people, they hang out with religious and stale old people. We find congregations that match what's within our hearts. And then we serve whatever idea of that God we think matches our hearts. But, but, but we got it wrong. Kingdom culture says that we have to look up first. We have to look to God first and foremost to see who he is and stare into the beauty of who Jesus is so that we can then know who we are. And as we look up to Jesus and as we stare into the beauty of Jesus, he changes our hearts and then places different desires in our hearts. So we look up to Jesus, then we look within at the work that he is doing. Remember? All glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ever ask or think. Ephesians 3.20. So we look up to him. We look up, look up to God. We stare into who Jesus is. And we say, I don't define my life, God. You do. And as he changes our hearts inside and as we stare at the desires that the spirit places inside of us. See, I didn't desire the things. That's the, I told you, he did away with the metric system. So what happened? I had a taste of his power and his anointing. I said, God, I want more of that. My desire started to change. I didn't care about money. I didn't care about cars. I didn't care about women. I didn't care about all of these things that I thought defined me and shaped me in my life. I just wanted more of God. God, I just, I want to grow in anointing, God. I want to grow in, in, in boldness and in courage, God. I want to grow in who you called me to be. God, help me, Lord. And I would just desire better, more growth and more freedom from, from, from the things that held me bound. I desired what God desired. I started to picture myself as a godly husband, not even having a wife, but saying, God, I want to I become the husband that my wife will one day need. So I pictured those things, and that was a work that God was doing. So it started to change because I looked up to God first. 
and he grants the desires of your heart. But if your heart reflects his heart, then the desires line up with the will of God for your life. So God will do for you what it is that you desire to do. So we stare up and then we look within. God, what are you doing in my life in this season? We partner with that thing. Then we look around. Kingdom family. See, you congregate with what you reflect. We hang out with people who look like us, do what we do and desire what we desire. And so we look up to God and then we look within at the work he's doing within us. And then we surround ourselves with kingdom people. This is why I'm trying to tell y'all, y'all got to get connected. If you don't come on Tuesday nights and we're about to open up some connect groups, but if you're not actually growing close to the family of God within this house, you'll, you'll start realizing when you connect with the family of God here, you're going to grow like never before because the desires of your heart will start to change. You're going to look at other people and they're going to reflect the heart of God and you're just going to begin to grow like never before in your life because... You look up and then you look within and then you look around. This walk with God is like, it's like a gift. It's a, it is a gift. Yeah, but it's this, this giant box that's just gift wrapped. And you remove one layer of gift wrapping only to get to another layer and you just, you're just tearing all of these layers off, right? This is what it is. You're saying, man, God, I, I want to I grow in who you've called me to be. And as you stare into Jesus, you, you're, you're removing layers off of your life. And so you get to the, you finally get to the, to the end of this box and you open up the gift and it's yourself. And it's who he called you to be. I'm telling you, church, you're not going to find who you are in this world. The enemy comes to woo you and wound you with fake love. He wants you to be stuck to, 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 to false security and never actually being able to rely and trust on God and, and learning that God wants to do more for you than you could ever think or imagine. I say it all the time, church, I'm not up here today because I grew up in church. I didn't even know what church looked like. I didn't even know what church looked like. I'm up here today because I met a, a good God and he removed the metric system and, and showed me that he wants to pour out things on my life that I could never give myself. I walked into his love and it covered every sin that I ever had and it changed me and it transformed me. I walked into his grace and, 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 his, and, and his grace removed every stain in my life and it changed me and it transformed me, church. And God says, I want to show you what true riches really look like. Today, today, thank you for listening to this week's message. If you want to learn more about We Are Church, connect with We Are Church, or feel led to sow into We Are Church, we want to provide the means to do so. You can give online at weareministries.com, and you can also reach us on all social media platforms at We Are Church Nashville. God bless you, and have a great week.